0: You are listening to the Small Like Hunting Podcast, the hunting podcast that is free of advertisements, bought and paid for opinions, and minutes and minutes of sponsorships. If that's what you want, there's a plethora of other podcasts out there. Here, we're going to talk openly, we're going to talk honestly, and we're going to live in the real world, free of sponsorships and paid for advertisements and opinions that are governed and dictated by them that sounds interesting, stay tuned for this episode of the Small Likeer Hunting Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Small Likeer Hunting Podcast. It's Ty. (laughs) Yes, this podcast still exists, and to be honest with you, I actually have one or two recordings that I did in the past, and I'm not going to ever air them. Um, I'm going to go into that a little bit on this episode, but... Uh, first and foremost, thanks for, for the support. Thanks for reaching out. It's been a long hiatus. Um, the last podcast that you heard was actually the conversation with Matt Thilking on September 11th. Um, was when I believe that was released. And then I did a write-up uh, called... Uh, oh, what was that called? Caring Less to Enjoy More. On uh, September 14th, and that was right before kind of the season started for me. That was right around the time, unfortunately, that I had discovered a ton of trespassing happening. And it was the days following that, that write up on September 14th, where I confirmed and, and discovered trail cameras missing and things of that nature. And, and you know, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably been with me for the long haul because... I don't do this for money, I don't do this with tons of sponsorships that make me um produce content if you will on a regular basis or on a on a basis of which they feel it's necessary to invest in me. I've always created content when the Lord inspired me to um or when i felt the desire to share and that's all small like Your hunting's ever been, so I just want to thank many of you um Quite a few of you are even friends with me on social media or in some capacity in real life and and you've known and 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 seen probably more of my frustrations this year and understand more of them than most but basically be between the trespassing the the trail camera uh, thefts that occurred properties being lost uh property uh, issues with owners and changing of what was always normal practices as to when we could hunt and when we'd get back on and things of that nature, um, disturbances and just abuse of my father and I's uh, willful and, and kind hearts. This was a season that I wanted to have in the Review Mirror more than I've ever wanted to have a hunting season in the Review Mirror. I'm just being honest with you. And you know what? I've been around long enough now in my short years that I know many of you can relate because I've walked through seasons with many of you. Um, Some of you have emailed me when you've been going through struggles, you're losing properties, you're trying to figure out public, you just don't know if you're going to get to hunt, family medical issues pop up. We've all been there. And I'm going to get on my little bit of a soapbox early and then we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about... We're going to talk about a couple big aspects when it comes to deer hunting. But I want to talk to the man or the woman listening to this podcast right now. And that is, I'm a great illustration of how not to think and how not to um, prioritize your life. I've written about this so many times. And it's funny because you'd think... Somebody who is so passionate about sharing and making sure others have the right perspective on life would be better at it. I'm not. I mean, there there is no reason that the utter destruction or crumbling of my season last year, of deer season, of hunting, should have unraveled me into such a negative state, if you will. Um, I allowed all that to kind of steal my joy of hunting, which is one of my biggest uh, sources of just blessings and grace and joy from God that's outside of Him and family, it is is—it is by far my refuge. It's where I recharge. It's where I energize. And when that was all taken kind of in a way from me, I struggled to figure out where I was going to find it when in reality it was go on up the 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 ladder of life tied to the things at the top and, and seek refuge in those, seek guidance in those, seek joy in those seek that filling desire and recharge that hunting always had go higher you know if you picture your priorities in life and the top being god work down work up work around that very top go to him go to your family who who sits above all else except for him and uh you know i was very happy when the deer season ended you you probably, there wasn't a buck alive. Cicero 2.0 and another booner probably couldn't have got me to climb a tree stand late December and into January. I remember I climbed a stand whenever my last hunt was. I'm trying to remember if it was the first week of January, or the last week of December. I did hunt one day um, and I didn't enjoy it. I didn't want to be there. The the joy of that pursuit and and not knowing what's going to come around the corner just was gone and it was out of me. But here's the thing. That's all in the past. There's nothing I can do about it. I can either continue to sludge along down in the mud um, and and drag other people's moods down, drag my family down with me, um, allow such a simple and stupid thing as hunting which has no impact on where i spend eternity has no impact on the health of me or my family has no impact on our livelihood basically i need to buck up <laughs> and you know it's it's a glorious thing in that god always provides a a way to you know remind you of your priorities and my son does it every day my wife does it every day he does it every day many of you guys have done it for me And, uh, you know, it's okay to, to be negative when bad things happen or to have a negative reaction, I should say, just try, try your hardest to not let those negative responses or, um, momentary sadness consume you, you know, hunting is still such an amazing thing. And I look forward to it now. I look forward to getting back out there and making things happen And figuring out from past failures, figuring out new properties, and hopefully picking up a couple new properties. So, you know, whether you had such a bad year like me in the fact that people were abusing your property, um, maybe you had theft, maybe you had trespassing, or maybe you just had a bad hunting season. Things just did not line up. You worked your absolute butt off and it just didn't come together. Um, maybe your neighbor shot the two biggest target bucks that you had in your area. Maybe your property plans didn't work out like you wanted to. Maybe your food plots just were an absolute bust. They didn't grow. They didn't flourish. Um, maybe you, whatever it might be. Many people, because here's the thing about hunting. Here's the glorious, awesome, I think one of the most unique things about hunting, and this is why I hope to get Bryson involved in it, is hunting is going to provide you more failure than success ever. It will teach you about failure more than anything. It'll teach you about overcoming more than anything, no other hobby in my opinion. I played sports. I was a three-sport athlete in high school for a while. Like, I love sports. I know a lot of people say sports will do that. No. No. There's no other hobby, in my opinion, that one can have that does it more. Being a Christian does it even more so because it's an everyday, every step, every breath, every walk, every action, every speech every speakable moment, everything. But hunting, when it comes to our hobbies, what we can be into, a passion, a blessing from him that we can partake in, I don't think there's another thing out there that does more in providing you with failure. So you had a failed last season, whatever it is, don't let past failings cause more in the future. Don't let past failings turn into more failings. So what do I mean by that? Sometimes what we're going to need to do is merely reflect on what didn't work and why. That's, I mean, everybody's heard me constantly speak to the fact that you always got to be asking your question, The question's why. You know, when you get a picture or pictures of a big, mature buck that you're willing to kill, I've always said, great, you got that picture, log it and everything, but then what do you start doing after that? you got to start asking every question you can imagine and start formulating a plan and possible answers to it. Why was he where he was then? Where could he have been going, judging from his body mannerisms, And the time of day, where was he prior to this photo? Where did he come from two minutes prior, 20 minutes prior, an hour prior? What are the options? Why would he be walking there at this time with that wind? Why would he be there when it's this warm out, the sun's bearing down, there was no clouds, and he's along the edge of the food plot? Where is he heading? Is he heading to shade? Is he heading to water? Ask a ton of questions. Reflect. If you had a stand that you thought was dynamite and activity was just dead at it, you got to ask the question, why? Is it not in the location with high probability of daytime activity at it? Were there impacts around it that you didn't take into account at the beginning? Does your entrance and exit actually work against you, possibly? Is the sign that you were seeing and hunting actually a sign provided and made not at a time frame in which you can hunt them, either by season or by time of day? I think one of the biggest things that a lot of hunters make the mistake on is they allow past failings to compound into the future. Well, I'm going to delve deeper. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, oh, my my food plot's failed, so I'm going to make a bigger food plot. Well, is a bigger food plot necessarily why it failed? Or is it the soil nutrients? Is it the seed quality that you had? Is it the weather that you had? There are a crazy amount of factors that could be why your food plots failed. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Mine failed this year at my place. They did not grow to the extent that I wanted them to. And it's not necessarily that there's not enough there. I just got to get them growing better. The deer absolutely hammer brassicas early if they're one of the only things in there. So one of the things that I need to try to do is get them started earlier. And what that does is that allows me to then gauge their success and how many have started growing in September when I normally do my plantings, early September, that time I'll be able to gauge those three, four, maybe even six-week-old brassicas, especially the radishes and the turnips. How many did I have take and are growing and are flourishing? And if I need to overseed and, and, and save that plot, then that's the best time to do it. The time frame when I normally plant, um, we've gotten away with it, I think, because the deer didn't know about the plots for a long time. And then the last couple of years, it just hasn't been successful. And I think it's because the deer have figured out that there's food there. There's more of them hitting it there. They figured out that they love brassicas at any time of the year. I know a lot of people are going to be listening to this and be like, wait, what? No, it's true. I I can't keep brassicas growing really well there. The the deer just absolutely love them. Especially on a dry fall year, they really do. Um, I think they like the water content of which they hold in their stalks and up into their leaves more than some other plants. But we've always got to be asking the questions, why and what can we do? So at my property one of the biggest things that i have to change and upon my reflection from the past is a couple couple things and i'm going to outline them here on this podcast here shortly and I, I don't want to make this podcast be extremely long but we got a few minutes because it's only been 14 minutes or so right now um so we are going to be sculpting out a couple plot locations in response, we're actually, so the the construction that occurred actually took away about three, three and a half prime bedding acres um, to my north, essentially. And what this did, it basically um, left just my northern small square as the only bedding on the northern extreme of the property, whereas and this was working in conjunction with that before. And it also provided a buffer where my one food plot that I've had great success at isn't necessarily, like, right on the edge of of nothingness. Um, You know, it was 60 yards to the bedding area, and then there was acres up there and such. But all the changes that have occurred recently, that what once was great spot, now just 40 yards north of it. There's going to be a chain link fence and there's going to be construction then on the other side. So it kind of makes a little bit of a what was daytime sanctuary for them to work down into and feed. It's going to be tough for them. So I'm going to have to do a lot of site blocking up there between um, that property and that food plot now. Uh, I need to also shut that down because that's a main artery that I had been keeping open. There was a trail with a sign. No trespassing and trail cameras and such right there. Um, And I kept that open because the deer used it. Well, now there's not going to be really a reason for the deer to use it. And I don't need it. So I'm going to be blocking that trail off. Because the deer now are going to have to come from the northeast or the south or east along the pond in this area. They no longer can come from just the north uh, of it because there's just, there's nothing up there. It's, it's... uh, improved upon the the parcels so what i'm also going to do is then begin to sculpt out further south of there we're going to widen that food source there and make it a little bit more um, provide a little bit more food but also by shifting it down we get a little bit more away from um possible people um, and 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 buildings and such, just to ease that that ease the nature. Now I hunt urban type like deer there, so they're more used to buildings and humans than other uh, deer for sure that I hunt. But I have over the years learned very quickly that I think urban deer, the thing that they can do is interpret the intent. Of humans, far easier than agricultural farm deer can. I swear these deer can can read body language. They can read uh, noise implements. They can they can read you when you see them. Um, I think sometimes they can even sometimes tell from a scent whether or not that 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 it's being left by something that is hunting them? Or is it just a human going about their daily lives right around here? I think they begin to be a judge of human uh, activity far superior than their counterparts that, that don't live in a semi urban area or even urban area. So, but I'm going to move that plot down. So we are going to be making a little bit more food, but I also am going to be, switching possibly to more clovers and such just because it's less upkeep. And it, the, once those seem to be established, it's one of the easier plots to take care of. But I'm going to experiment this year. I'm going to go back, and and one of the things that I'm looking forward to and I'm trying to rejuvenate my my excitement for the season is I'm going to experiment with various different soil um, or planting or broadcasting not only seed mixes, but styles and approaches to it. So we're going to do a little bit of no-tilling in certain sections and see if it can be successful. We're going to try some soil-building-type materials type products. Um, one area, I actually bought a few things of my own that are coming in. Um, I do have the new pilot program product from Real World that's for soil-building in the spring that can be frost-seeded. And I'm gonna look. I look forward to doing uh, getting that little area going as well as some other spots on the on the property. One of the other things that I need to do is I need to go back into an area that was logged. Now this will be the second spring, or it might even be the third. Um, I'll have to look back through my records. But basically, we need to go back up there. We've had a real hard logging occur, then we girdled some. And I want to see just kind of what the growth is like. Um, I want to look up in there and and double check it all, make sure it's good. Need to reevaluate a couple stand locations and possibly hang a couple new ones that that help me respond to potentially deer responding to the changes around the property. So in my reflections, that's another thing that I've had to do is not only am I having to gauge on what the deer did with what I know, which isn't much because I didn't have as many trail cameras and I, I just wasn't in the mood to go check them as much and they're probably all dead right now that are out there but um educated guesses as to how they're going to bounce around the property now that there's more or less surrounding property on certain sections things have changed how are they going to interact with the property now versus how they did and maybe i need to be proactive in my approach and how to respond and be ready so there's there's already one or two spots that I think might be really good to get a stand-up or a blind or uh, build an elevated blind in response and uh, plan it. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's a big thing that's happening over there. We're going to get rid of a couple. I'm actually going to uh, – some of you guys have seen in my videos that I have two main food plots, ones I call, like, the locust plot, which is kind of like a big egg, <clears throat> and then on the one side of it, that would be the, uh, what would that be? The east side of it. There's a real thick briar patch that's so thick deer can't even walk through it. And it's starting to get shumac grown in it. It's got a couple of poplars as well, but I'm going to basically, I might even get rid of it and just have one big bottom pop plot there. Um, but I would like to have some kind of sight line. So I may experiment with some, uh, screening products, either maybe a sorghum or an Egyptian wheat or even corn. But I I think I will probably go with either sorghum or Egyptian wheat just because I want something that's not as attractive to the deer for them to eat. I want it to do its purpose, sight blocking and separating it to where a deer can't just check that entire plot. He's got to hook around and come South, which then may provide a shot. I got to check a couple other bedding areas. (coughs) do some chainsaw work in them, make sure arteries are still open and clear. It's one of the things that a lot of people don't do that they need to do, and that's checking on your sanctuaries every single year. You know, I refuse to um have a have a property fail me like mine did this year and and me not respond to it, and I'm not going to not going to let those failures compound on that place. So, you know, It might be a wide gamut of things that you've got to begin to reflect upon, and you've got time. We're in February. It's not too late to start doing work. I haven't even worked on the property yet. I've been letting it kind of sit um, because of all the the issues that it's been through. I'm going to let the deer completely deal with winter, and I'll probably go out in late February-ish and start. Um, doing some work, observation, scouting, and such, and planning some projects, if you will. And I'll be sure to bring you guys all along. We're also looking forward to getting my father's river bottom property. Neither of us actually hunted that this year. Um, Pops went there one time and the water, it had rained way too much and he couldn't get to his stand. Um, but there's deer there. Uh, he saw deer. He was there for gun season opener. It was kind of mist and rain, so he just sat in the truck and observed, making sure no trespassers or poachers. And we pulled, the cameras are showing that there's deer there. There's there's one buck that we know lived, most likely. Um, he was well into the late season, and there's no late season reduction zone there. So chances of him dying are much smaller, and he, he'll be a shooter this next year for sure still. And there was one other buck that might be a shooter, Um given another year as well so we look forward to learning from that property seeing what it has to teach us and 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 seeing what we can teach you guys as well so um i just kind of rambled and talked about what our plans are and what we plan on doing at the property but i'll be sure to bring in detailed form um, and discuss a few things as to what we're going to do. And try to lay it down even in a podcast episode if you will. But definitely a video so, so stay tuned for that. I've got a list of about seven or eight people that I'm going to have on the podcast this year. Just in the spring through summer I'm hoping. So I'm hoping to get the drive to, to, to get back into this. So if you're listening to this and you're excited that hey smaller hunting is back. Um, let me know. Say it in the comments. Let me know if there's a specific guest that you think you'd love to hear hear me talk about. few of the guests are just going to be friends of mine, and we're just going to BS about deer. We're going to talk about deer. We're going to talk about um, just anything and everything that comes to our mind that you guys might find entertaining or at least edu- or educational or at least entertaining. So, I think that's all I got this episode. I just wanted to kind of express to anybody else who had a just a season from hell, I, i'm not gonna it, it i i say it that way but there there are a lot of different things that could have went wrong you know i could have fallen out of a tree stand my pops could have fallen out of a tree stand one of us could have gotten shot by a poacher i mean there, there's always a lot of different darker and deeper things that could have occurred but did not have a season that we wanted did not have a good season um but we still need to count our blessings um still blessed to chase deer still blessed with deer we got venison in the freezer and despite everything that's happened, and I'm not going to go into details on, on a lot of the stuff as far as property owners and things that have occurred, but uh, but we're not going to let it get us down. We're not going to let it change how we approach things. So um, I am going to still tackle my property. I know a lot of guys messaged me, given everything that I've been going through, that I should just sell and pick it up and move. And you know what? I actually even approached a couple people about if there was interest for buying it. Um at this time i'm going to push forward with that that piece still being something that i'm working on and and a project for so i don't know if i could take another year with with an onslaught of trespassing but i guess we're gonna see and uh we'll see what happens so we're gonna do everything we can to minimize it um we got a couple other normal access trails that we're gonna block And uh, hopefully here in the near future that felon can get trespassing charges filed against him and and possibly theft as well, hopefully if they can make a case for it. So I think that's all I got. It is February. Some of you guys are out there shed hunting already. Some of you are firing up the chainsaws. Be sure if you are chainsawing, you are wearing proper safety chaps. I never thought I would ever get to a point one day where... I would say I needed them but I have ran into my leg the saw kicked and it kicked down and hit my leg those things stopped it immediately possibly saved myself of, of a really nasty injury so make sure you're doing that wear glassware. Um, those those sawdust flakes up into your eye can cause some serious damage as well if it if it gets in there so um, helmet shield if you can um, all those things are good things and uh yeah Be sure that you're safe. Be sure that you're thinking things through. And we will see you guys on the next episode of the Smaller Grounding Podcast. Hey, guys, in closing, really quick, wanted to thank you again for tuning in. Um, I understand this episode was a little bit more of just a narrative and me sharing, and I apologize for that, but I just wanted to kind of let it all be out there, and hopefully it made sense to you and we tackled a few things in the end that can get your thought juices flowing with that in mind. I want you to know that the next episode of the podcast is we're going to talk about food plot failure specifically because I know it is something that a lot of people have. So, and I've got two different guests that I'm going to kind of run something by and see if they want to be on. If not, we're going to tackle it. We're going to talk about what are some potential um, solutions to your failures what are the most common failures i guess we'll lead in with that and then we'll talk about what are some of the things that you need to be questioning what are some of the tests that you could do and what are some of the things that you might be able to do in order to save your plots that and so much more on the next episode of the smaller like care hunting podcast